Hello, this is the Nature of Nantucket podcast. I'm Rich Blundell, the visiting scientist at the Mariah Mitchell Association, filling in for Joanna Roach. This week, I sit down with the Mashpee Wampanoag elder, writer, and artist, Robert Peters, to discuss the intersection of the indigenous and Western scientific worldviews. In this part one of a two-part conversation, we begin to cultivate the ground for a collaborative, cross-cultural exchange project that we hope to develop on Nantucket. You can view the artworks we discuss in this episode and visit Robert's artist profile via the links provided in the show description. Enjoy. Welcome, Robert. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a Mashpee Wampanoag tribal member. I, I've been in, living in Boston for 40 years, uh, and I'm an artist, writer. Uh, I retired from uh, the MBTA after 24 years of service, and um, since then my life has been devoted to art, writing, and cultural things. How would you describe your art? Um, I think my art is, is very spiritual, uh, and a lot of times I'm moved to do something. There's something that makes me, uh, uh, feel like I have to, uh, um, project a certain image or a certain idea, and, and, and I usually go with it. And uh, there's times where I don't uh, do any artwork for a long time. And, you know, there'll be years where I don't write anything. Uh, but when it's, when it's time, when, when the spirit moves me, then I, I do that kind of work. It sounds like um, the practice of kind of paying attention or listening. Listening to the world and letting it speak when it when it wants to is, does that sound reasonable? yeah i mean if you think about it the creator and the environment is always talking to you you know and i joke about myself because you know there's a lot of messages that you miss you know what i mean i might miss most of the messages you know but when you know the the creator picks you up and shakes you around you know uh you say, okay, I better, I better do this painting, or I better write this thing, or I better uh, project this idea. Mm. Um, and that's how a lot of my stuff comes about. That's how we met, because um, <clears throat> I came to Nantucket after drawing images of Mashop as a baby during the pandemic. Mm. And it's really, that has driven my life you know, since, you know, doing that, you know, all of my opportunities, you know, and things that I have to do or, or endeavor into uh, are because of these mashup images. And uh, I came to Nantucket for the first time because the land acknowledgement for the Nantucket Film Festival was one of my pictures of baby mashup that was animated uh, and you had the, the baby splashing a whale in the water and uh, geese flying overhead. And you know, i got to stop you there because I think you're going to have to tell the audience who Mashup was. Introduce Mashup a little bit. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Well, my, I always have to tell that, too. You know, <laughs> my shop was a giant, and he was our giant here. Um, and he um, was a land shaper, and he made Cape Cod, and he made Boston Harbor, and he made uh, Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket. And sometimes there's different stories. Um, one story is that Nantucket was where Marshop emptied his pipe. And when the fog came in, the elders would say, that's Marshop smoking his pipe. And then there's another story where Marshop threw one moccasin to the left and the other to the right, and that's how Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket came about. Um, but in his path, he left great estuaries and this paradise of a land. Mm. Um, and I believe Marshop was the giant, was, was the, a glacier. And that every culture that witnessed the, the glaciers has giants. And I'm exploring that, that theory. And I'm, uh, in uh, Western Mass, uh, uh, the, the, in um, Nipmuc and Abenaki uh, uh, mythology, there's uh, Habenach. And Habenach was a land shaper there. So just to be to be clear, so if the theory is then that that these indigenous peoples had an oral history where they would tell stories of a giant, and then that but that giant was in some way referring to the glacier. Yeah, that, that story is indicative of us having been here ten thousand years ago. Oh, I see, and right. witnessed yeah. the glaciers receding. Yeah. Because I remember when, you know, when we first met and we were starting to get to talk, because I'm a geologist, and I, you know, I think in terms of the Pleistocene glaciation and the, you know, the, the Laurentian ice sheet and when that, and the glacial moraine that it left and all of that stuff. And I remember asking you, I, I was like, uh, you know, Robert, how do you reconcile that? Like, and you just looked at me and said, that's the glacier, man. Marshop's the glacier. Like, yeah, like, like, it all made sense. That was awesome. Well, well even in England, because the glaciers made the English Channel. The same, the same glacier uh, made the English Channel, and they're always talking about giants. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, it, and it's interesting also that this would come to me on, you know, the days that the world shut down with the pandemic. So how did that how did that happen? So this is what, 2018, 2019 that you had the mashup? No, 2020. 2020. Yeah, it was tw- it was in, in uh, like like March 18th or 19th. I started seeing this. This is when the world stopped. There was no, no, no planes. There were no cars on the road. Nobody went to work. You know, and I started riding my bike down the um, the Ponza River, and every time I passed by this, you know, uh, this spot on the river where there was the reeds on the other side, I envisioned this giant baby sleeping there. Mm. And it wasn't a vision, vision. I didn't actually see it, but it just very strongly came to my mind: this giant baby sleeping there. And after about three or four times, I started drawing. Uh, pictures. I drew the picture of the baby in the reed, and I spent the next three months drawing, doing nothing but drawing pictures of baby Marsha. Mm. 
And the interesting thing about Mashop coming back as a baby is now that the glaciers have almost completely receded, and, you know, they, we're talking about gla- uh, grass near the, the North Pole uh, and how that's changing the world and the uh, environmental um, warming, uh, that Mashop should appear as a baby because he's the one that provided for us. And now, with the environment changing, we need to be the ones to provide for the environment as if it was a baby. Gotcha. So it's kind of reciprocal, yeah. like a full circle mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. So we need to get together as people and say, how do we take care of this great big baby? Yeah. So and so the, the art series that you created that ended up becoming part of the film festival's land acknowledgement... Where can people see that? And, and, and you know, because it became a series, is that right? Yes. Um, eventually, it will be a, a book, a children's book. Yeah. But I don't, I think there's another foot to drop ser- spiritually. There, there's more of a meaning to it than that I, I just can't, I, I can't grasp yet. Um, and when when I when I am able to com- fully grasp that, I'll put put it out as a, a children's book. Right. Well, it sounds awesome. So, so we've decided to take this collab, you know, take this opportunity of meeting each other and build something out of it. And so we're here on Nantucket now, and we've been talking with uh, Joanna Roach, who's the executive director of the Mariah Mitchell Association, about trying to put together something, some kind of program that can um, that can facilitate restoration of the, the different cultural and scientific and spiritual dimensions of like our time and how the indigenous wisdom um, can somehow be reintegrated into culture today. I'm wondering if we want to sort of riff on that a little, talk about, you know, w- what do we have in mind? Well, we're starting from scratch. Well, when you put those things together, that's where science becomes medicine. Nice. And I and I don't mean medicine like going to the drugstore. There's there's things that you do that are medicine things that that are healing things. Um, and and, and uh, as humans, uh, we are the caretakers uh, of the earth. So we're 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 in tune with that. What happens to the earth is what happens to us. Um, and I I think that you know. Taking the, the the scientific community, who wants to uh, incorporate an indigenous perspective, um, is is a fantastic idea. I think, it's, um, I think it's essential, and we really need to find some people to get together and have this conversation again. Yeah. You know, uh, like this is just the beginning. We're just having the conversation, and we need other people from the indigenous community to come over here to Nantucket. And that's the other thing, you know, there there are no Wampanoag Indians on on Nantucket anymore. Hmm. Um, And that was the first time I came. Hmm. And I really felt the spirit of this island calling me as I came in on the boat. You know, high high line, high speed ferry. (laughs) Come in on, but uh, as I'm coming in, I'm feeling, you know, uh, the island calling me, you know, and like, where have you been? Uh, type of a thing. 
So one of the sort of taglines that we're developing for this podcast is it's small island, big ideas. What do you think, what is the big idea here? Well, uh, we had, you know, we've... We, uh, we've had a lot of discussions, but one of the things that really hits home with me is, you know, like restoring indigenous plants and species, yeah. you know, and restoring the environment to the way it was um, be- before we were colonized. And when you were showing me the cranberry bogs and how you were uh, working on figuring out how to have cranberry bogs uh, and grow cranberries in an indigenous way. I looked and, I, and there were cattails, and I, I'm like, "Wow, you have cattails out here!" And uh, um, you said, "Well, uh, other plants pushed them out." Yeah. So I haven't seen cattails in years. Right. You know, and that that's one of our building materials. We would build our summer lodges out of cattail mats, mm. uh, and you know. You look at the uh, at the brackish waters and the grasslands. There's no cattails there anymore. Um, so having you know a combination of indigenous people and biologists, you know, restoring the cattails, and at the same time you're you're pushing indigenous people towards that field of biology, mm. so that they become the future biologists. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean that that that's a big deal. I agree, and uh, I think that's kind of what we're shooting for: is a way to a way to figure out how we can reintegrate indigenous ways of thinking, indigenous ways of seeing, indigenous ways of being in the world, ways of, that re- that relate deeply to place. How we can bring that whole constellation of of experiences, really, how we can bring those kinds of experiences and those sorts of insights from the indigenous worldview back into the Western scientific worldview in a way that a new, like more holistic third thing, a third way of being in the world that's, that's, that's relevant and appropriate to today. If we can do that, and, and I think that's kind of what we're shooting for with this project, whatever it ends up being, we, we're not exactly sure, but the hope is that we can bring the right people together with the right intentions, the right ideas, the right insights, have scientific knowledge, have spiritual experiences, and artistic perspectives all kind of converge on this better way of being in the world because we're going to need it, especially in mm-hmm. the coming decades, which are going to be they're going to be rough. And so we're going to need to cultivate this new sensibility in humans. And, and I think revisiting and reintegrating the indigenous worldview is going to be an incredibly important part of that. Well, I, I think, it, you know, once we get our head around the whole conversation, yeah. it's a natural thing because uh, indigenous people, people who live the culture and people who, you know, are closer to the environment, consider themselves scientists, yeah, but but I mean, if if I come to the table here and I sort of represent the scientific worldview, which is sort of what that's just the kind of role that sort of I'm going to play. I, I I know how I know how limited that is in terms of a whole experience of a place. To see the to see a place through a scientific lens is it's it's amazing and it 
reveals incredible insights, but in some ways it's impoverished. It's impoverished in a kind of spiritual sense, in a sense of profoundly felt connection to place. And so, um, I mean, that's why that's why I'm really interested in you know reaching out to you and to your community so that we can have a conversation that has all the best science that we know, mm. but that can also listen to and appreciate and value the, the indigenous way of being. And I know we've got like a lot of healing to do in the process. In fact, like as we've been talking, I've slowly be, begun to realize more and more just how profound the injury is and how much that injury um, impacts the conversations that we're, that, that we're able to have. And it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. For that stuff to, and more people, like there's going to need to be more people involved in this who can express their experience of the world so that we can start to really collectively shape a new shared experience. Well, that's what, that's why you, you have to do things like when, when you, when you're, you're taking a topic like this and an, an endeavor yeah. like this, you have to do it with, 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 with great care and great pa- pa- um great patience um and uh because of colonization and the wounds there 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 are flaws and to understand the flaws and understand that the damage that you know takes place in our community takes many different forms Mm. um and you know that's the healing part that you know and the environment to us has always been spiritual and there's never been uh any disconnect between our spirituality and and the and the environment in which we live uh and a lot of that that pain is you know growing up i saw every place that i ever loved get bulldozed me too <laughs> and, and that's that's and that hurts that's why I do this work. Yeah. But but then when you see the attitudes in the world, you know, and the things that that happened, I think, you know, even in our government, the things that are happening, uh, I have a theory that everything that happens to the Indians is going to happen to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Eventually, everybody else is the new Indians. Well, we you know, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and, but here's here's the hopeful thing. If we can heal us, then that healing is good for everybody else. So if we can figure out a way to heal our wounds, then we can help everybody else's wounds and and it can become a great healing. We'll pick up the conversation with Robert Peters in part two to be released next week. Thanks for listening to the Nature of Nantucket podcast.